Hulkamania here, brothers and sisters. And oh, I tell you what, I am honored to introduce today's Millennial Manchild podcast. Oh, I tell you what, it's fucking phenomenal. And if you don't have crocodile skin boots, then fuck you. But I did promise Miles one thing, and that would be no racist comments. So you jabronis, you better believe the Hulkster's here to stay. And he's PC in 2018, alright? Alright, here we go. Miles, get on down. Come on down. Oh, wow. Uh, thank you, Mr. Hulkster. The PC Hulkster, I like it. This is, uh, this is good stuff. Uh, what's up, folks? Welcome back to the Millennial Manchild Podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Miles Casey. How you doing? You know, how you doing? I hope you're doing well. Man, I have been doing fantastic myself, you know, obviously fucking slaving away, working a lot, uh, but life is good, life is good, I, I don't have too many complaints, uh, there, there was one crazy thing that happened to me recently, I guess I could talk about before we get into today's podcast and I introduce today's guest, uh, but I was working at Starbucks, obviously, right, that's, that's where I work. And, uh, this, it was fucking six in the morning. I had literally just got in there. You know, I'm still fucking wiping the crust out of my eye. It's too early to be dealing with any bullshit. And of course, since it's the ocean beach, Starbucks, homeless people, they're, they get a little, you know, they, they can be a little aggravated in the morning. Maybe didn't sleep well, maybe are very hungry or who knows, maybe whatever number of problems could be. This guy that came in, <clears throat> you know, last week. Seemed to check every box. He was fucking aggravated, agitated, just aggressive, bossy. Very bossy. Very, very bossy. Did not appreciate the, like, he was, like, I was his servant, you know? He was the king of the homeless people, I guess, and I was just his little petty court jester who is supposed to bring him a hot cup of water. And, you know, it's just it's just so annoying because the, the regulars that are coming in are sweethearts. They wait in line. They, you know, they, they know how the... the the system works. This guy obviously didn't know how the system works and was a piece of garbage. And I, you know, and I try to give people the benefit of the doubt usually. But I was dealing with a customer. He's like cutting in front of her, trying to get in the way, just being very loud and obnoxious. And I'm not putting up with this bullshit, right? So <clears throat> I, I get to do the one power move I have in all. Like if there was a the superpower that I have, unfortunately, the only superpower is is to deny people a hot cup of water basically at Starbucks it's a very shitty superpower but uh I ended up you know I was doing it I was even actually going to give this guy a cup of water just to get him away from me because I'm just like tired of hearing about it but you know the more you think about it the last thing you really want to do is give this guy who's yelling at you calling you a snitch you know he's not he's calling me a snitch for some reason I don't know why snitch just was the word of the day I guess you know he ends up stealing something and running out the door but I wasn't going to give him a boiling hot cup of water right that's just, that would be irresponsible on my part. I am not going to get a fucking boiling hot cup of water tossed in my face. Plain and simple. I don't get paid enough money for that. I'll take the L, you know, him yelling at me, calling me a snitch, and then stealing some food on the way out. You know, that's fine. I don't give a fuck about that. But my beautiful face, my moneymaker? Nah. Can't have that, can we, folks? So, I don't know. Fucking just craziness out here, out on these OB streets. You never know what you're going to get. It's always a mixed bag. Sometimes it's the best place in the world. Sometimes it's uh, just a fucking treacherous butthole. Who knows? You know, it's funny. One of the guys at work was calling OB the magical butthole because it is a magical place, but uh, it definitely has some butthole tendencies from time to time. There is no denying that. But anyways, enough of me rambling. Uh, uh, well, you know, one more thing. I guess I wanted to say this as well. Uh, clearly by how spacey I am and how stupid I probably sound right now, I am clearly off the wagon. I thought it was going to be a mostly sober October. I was going to, you know, oh, I had a little small relapse. Tee hee hee. That was funny. Uh, but it has, I have completely fell off the wagon. And it's been good because I haven't been paying for any of the weed, you know. I haven't been paying for the weed. I haven't really been paying for the booze. It's all just kind of found its way to me. And if it's finding its way to me, it's like, like I said in the last one, maybe it's the universe saying, hey, Miles, you got to get high, you know? Or maybe I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit of a drug addict. I don't know. I'm not a professional. I'm not a doctor. You know, would a drug addict trade a blender for eight joints? Uh, probably. Shit. 
Yeah, because that's what I did. I traded a blender I'd never used for some weed. It's, it was just, it was a fair trade. It seemed like a fair trade to me. That blender might as well have been in the trash because I never even used it. Kind of forgot I even had it. And then, you know, somebody comes along offering eight joints. Bada bing, bada boom. That's just good business, I think. I think I'm actually just a good businessman and making some smart decisions here. So, yeah. Uh, sober October. <whistles> See you later. Uh, we tried. <clears throat> On to the next little fun challenge or something, maybe, right? Yeah, who knows? But uh, anyways, I, I digress. But today, as I mentioned earlier, I have a very special guest, the fantastic Mikey Gordon. We had a great chat uh, covering all kinds of crazy things. He's worn a million different hats, kind of, it seems like, in his life. He's a promoter. He's a comedian. He's a pro wrestler. He has his own, you know... He's like his own little entity, basically, his own little enterprise. He goes around, puts on shows, does all kinds of things, and he is self-sustaining in that way, and I admire that, and I love that. So we talk about that, we talk about his life a little bit, and it was just a good chat, you know? One of the real things that I took away from this is, like, his his view on failure. I loved it, talking about how you use that failure, and how when you, you know, you fail, and then you kind of look at it, and then the next time you come to that situation, you do better, and you build confidence through failure. And I thought that was, uh, it was, it was really, really spot on in my opinion. So, uh, there's some good, there's some good stuff in here. So definitely stick around, enjoy today's episode. And as always, thank you for supporting, sharing, and yeah, enjoy. Hey man, I'm uh, feeling great. It's a beautiful Saturday out here. Kids are out playing soccer in the fields. <laughs> you know, fall is in full effect in San Diego. It's beautiful, man. Every place that has any open field of grass, there's ten thousand kids running around with a soccer ball. Right Especially over now. there, like at Rob Field here, man. There's always just a litter. There's the, the park that's across the street from that. Is that the Dusty Roads Park? I think so. Uh, Dusty Roads is like a super, super, super famous wrestler. Really? So like like Ric Flair, John Cena, Hulk Hogan level famous. Okay, yeah, but yeah. he like he got his like his big heyday before wrestling went like to the next level, oh, to that Hulk Hogan level. Interesting. So when I moved here, I did I think I did Winston's like one of the first weeks I lived here. Um the Winston's open mic here. Which is how Beach. we know each other. That's right, that's right. Uh through comedy, right? Yeah. And we were driving home and I was fucking drunk, right? You know, we're driving by, and I was like, I think that sign just said the Dusty Roads Park. And yep. I'm like, no way, like the Dusty Roads Park. That's badass. That's, that's, I didn't that's crazy. know that. That's crazy. Hey, yeah, hey, we're, we're, we're both going to learn some things today. I love house. that. I love that. We're both going to learn some uh, things today. I did want to get into a little bit about, you know, kind of what you do in your background about that, like yeah. wrestling and stuff. But before we go there, like, I wanted to find out, like, where, where did you grow up? Like, how old are you? Where did you grow up? So I'm 35. 35? Um, uh, just like you, I'm a Midwest boy, originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, shit. Uh, Missouri, nice. Yeah, misery. 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 I feel it. I feel uh, it. St. Louis, the town that's made up of Bud Light and racism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, the, the racial divide out there is real. But yeah, I, uh, I lived out there for the first 30 years of my life. Really? Realized that uh, I wasn't going to get married. And have kids and get all fat and eat cheese like most of my friends I did out it. there. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here, man. Um, 
I what, was. Uh, how'd you pick San, San Diego? Um, or so, like, or so, did you go to San Diego first? No, I like, okay, so check this out. Um, I I could go in a million ways with this, but I'll just cut it short. I was uh, Afro Man's tour manager. Like so because like a high guy. Yeah, yeah no, I know yeah. who Afro Man is. Some people, yeah, whatever. But uh, so like I was his tour manager for like three years, <laughs> and um, I booked most of his Midwest shows and like a couple longer tours. I booked a three month tour, and we we played Santa Cruz on uh, the day after Labor Day, twenty thirteen, and it was like the best show of my life. Like all these people were giving me weed and shit, you know. Like, we were, yes. Because I was opening up for him. That's, that's how amazing. That's how I started like fucking with them. Is yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, you know, I had booked him for a couple shows in St. Louis. Uh-huh, uh-huh. My little comedy band was opening up for him. And then, uh, you know, he just let me book some more shows for him. Um, That's dope. Came on a big West Coast tour. I fell in love with Santa Cruz. Was that kind of your, like, ticket out of St. Louis as well? Well, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, right? Like, in, in life. You know, like, I was like, I'm 30 years old. Like, I'm fucking almost broke at this point. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I got, like, running around a couple thousand dollars in my name in Mostly assets, not cash. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I feel you. So, you know, like, I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. So, like, I was just picking up with whatever was fun and making me money. Okay. You know, and the Afro Man thing worked. And, you know, like, when I got home from the tour, I was like, I don't need to be in St. Louis. I need to be in fucking California. I like, love it. Okay. Might as well step up. Like, what am I What am I scared of? So, I moved to Santa Cruz knowing... By yourself? Absol- by myself, knowing absolutely nobody except the guy that booked... At the Catalyst Club. Cajones. Right, you know, it's fucking... No, it does, like, I, I was lucky enough to move out here with, like, two of my best friends. Oh, right on. You know, we lived, like, we shared this little apartment for, you know, the first two years or whatever, but I was lucky to have them, because it was, like, automatic, you know what I mean? Like, I had somebody. You have some comfortability. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, uh, at least I know these dudes. It was, it was weird, too, because I grew up in St. Louis, and I never moved. Like, mm. I, the house that I grew up in, my parents moved into before I was two years old. So, like, I don't even remember moving a house, yeah, wow. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, it, it was really weird because I didn't even realize, like, how comfortable I was in St. Louis. Exactly. Because everybody I know's there, fucking, you know, you always have friends there. I've never had to make new friends. Yeah, ever. that's tough. I've never been to a new school. I've never been to the new school guy. Yeah, So, like, I, all these things were hitting me at 30 years old, and I'm doing them for the first time. And like, I'm just fuck. like... How do I make, how do you make friends? Right. You know, and then you realize for the first 30 years of my life, every friend I've ever made has been through another friend or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like you, you, you have your friends that you grow up with and you meet other people and that's how you get friends because 100%. You, you know somebody, you know, a mutual yep. friend yep. here. I don't, nobody knows who the fuck I am, yep. you know? Uh, but yeah, I've been in San Diego now for like a year and a half and it's way better down here. Okay. So you were in Santa Cruz for like the first three years, three years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, it worked. And you were doing comedy and shit up there too, right? The whole time? Yeah, you know, like I started comedy. I was, um, the, the way that I got the book Afro Man is I ran this internet radio station, which started as an internet radio show in 2009 gotcha. about St. Louis nightlife. Because I'd worked in the nightclubs, gotcha. strip clubs, okay. you know, promoting and all that shit. So I saw where like the podcasting internet phase was starting. Uh-huh. I was like, I want to get in on this, I right? I feel you, I feel you. So I had an internet radio show that I ended up like doing basically what, what you're doing right here. Yeah. In an extra room in my house, only I had a full like radio setup. Nice. And I had 14 different shows oh, come shit. in and do a live broadcast every week. Okay. 14 different groups of people coming into my house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To you do were this basically shit. your own like, like little radio station. Exactly. Yeah. It, you know, so like any radio station that you know I'd ever heard of, they booked their own shows. You know. Oh, we're bringing in Incubus, or you know, we're bringing in some yeah, band yeah. that was popular 15 years ago. Hoobastanks coming for the local radio station, you know. So exactly, I started booking Afro Man, and you know, whatever. Nice, and that's how you guys. Okay, interesting. And then you started opening for him a little bit, and all that stuff, basically. Yeah, you know, so like, I learned a lot of, you know, like how to produce shows and promote shows and things like that's that. What I was say. All just from my own, you know, just because you did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I also realized early, um, because I've been a professional wrestler for 18 years. Wow. Uh, I started, my first training session was in April of the year 2000. You know, and I realized after like the first few years of wrestling, like I wasn't going to get booked the way that I I wanted to get booked unless I ran the show myself. Yeah, and that's why you have like your own, you have your own 
promotion right now, kind of, right? Like right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, that's how that all started. I started running. Yeah, like, if nobody's going to do this for me, I'm just going to do it myself kind of thing almost, right? Absolutely. I you love know. that. I and, love that. You know, you don't realize, too, until you take on a project like that, how much more bullshit. Like, everybody just looks at the, I want to be the boss, so I can tell everybody what to do and make the most money. Like, <laughs> no shit. We all do, right? Yeah, yeah. But like the responsibility, dude, the, the res- headaches, the mistakes that you make Ooh. and have to learn from the hard way, all the hard way. Like yeah. I was the worst to deal with pe- like people that worked with me or for me. I was a fucking cunt, you know, like I was, I was the worst like boss. Cause yeah. I was like, I'll just tell them what to do and fucking, they yeah. got to listen to me cause I'm the boss, you know, yeah. and you, you, you learn, you learn quickly, you know? You, you learn quickly. Yeah, because then when you find good people and they do good work, you got to realize, like, maybe take a little bit of their say into it as, as well, or whatever it may be. The, the way... Be able to compromise. The way that you are successful in life, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, picture it like this. I, I'll put this in fighting terms, okay? If, if I'm going to fight, if I'm having a big boxing match against somebody, okay? Let's say Mikey G's fighting Miles Casey, right? Oh, shit. Okay? I'm going to get lit up. <laughs> We're getting lit up right now, son. We uh, are. This is blunt. Um, if I say like I'm gonna go fight Miles Casey, he's a piece of shit. I'm way better than him. I'm better looking. I fuck more girls. <laughs> I'm way stronger. You know all these things. Okay. Well, what did I accomplish there? Because if I beat you, then who did I beat? A yeah, piece of shit. That's true. If I lose to you, goddamn it, I lost to a piece of shit. Yeah. Okay. So, like this, if I'm going to have a fight against you, I say something like this. Like, you know, Miles Casey is a worthy opponent. He brings it. He gives it his all. He's one of the best fighters in the game. You know, he's beating all these guys. However, when he steps in the ring against me, I'm going to prove to everybody I'm the better man that day. I love it. Yeah, so, yeah. then if I if I beat you, then I beat somebody worth the shit. Yeah. Okay? And but if makes- I lose to you... I lost to somebody that's worth the shit. So it's not that bad. Yeah. You know? So that's the way that you have to translate that into business and life. Mm-hmm. You have to lift everybody uh-huh. else up. Yeah. Because then if you truly are the best in whatever you do, legit or choreographed pro wrestling, yeah. if you really are the best, if you elevate everybody up as high as you can, if you're really the best, you will peak above that. Right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Right? So that And then sense. everybody's lifted up. Yeah, like, once they're saying, there's like a saying like, all the tide, high tide rises all boats or something like that. There it is, yeah. It's like you want everybody to, like, there's no reason to, like, be, I'm going to get up here and be stepping on people's heads and shit. That's not the way to do it. Yeah. And I learned that lesson, um, it took me a long time to learn that lesson. That's you know, a, and it was. a little piece of advice, I feel like. It was put to, it was put to me like that, the okay. way I just explained uh-huh. it to you. And it fucking clicked, finally. Like, you know, the way to get ahead in life is not to step over people. The way to get ahead in life is to find like-minded people that you get along with and share some of the same values with. Yeah. You all rise together. And then, you know, whatever comes of that, comes of that. But there's no need to cut people down in yeah. order to raise yourself up. Because if you cut everybody else down, then then who are you better than? A bunch of pieces of shit. Because you said it yourself. Yeah. Oh, Fuck you, so fuck you, the fuck king, everybody. You're just on the pile, the biggest pile of shit, basically. Like, I'm the king of this pile of shit. Who wants to be top turd on a pile of shit? I yeah. mean, like, you know. No, good point. I mean, I feel like that's good advice. Like, I gotta, I gotta start figuring out more things, whether it's with, like, the podcast or trying to do a little branding, trying to do little small things, like maybe making a YouTube channel, whatever it may be. Yeah. I just gotta realize that it's like, you know, it's okay to just do new things, too. So I feel like that's what you did when you moved out here. You took a chance. You did new, a whole new thing. You're like, for sure. If you're not start basically, if you're not failing, if you're not failing ninety percent of the time, you do shit. You're not doing enough shit or taking enough chances. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, like, and you're not really always failing because sometimes you're learning a lesson. You're almost always learning a lesson and getting stronger. For sure, for sure. But if you don't look at that like a failure then you're not going to feel as accomplished when you overcome that failure. See, like, I don't, you know, like, I feel like the way you took what I just said was, oh, I wouldn't call it a failure, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, you're not a failure. No, 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 no. When I say failure, I'm trying to take responsibility for it. Okay. And look at it like a failure is not a negative thing. A failure is a point in history where you have two choices. You can either 
not learn from that and make that same mistake again. Or you can look at that failure, which is not a negative thing, and learn from that and overcome that. So the next time you cross that bridge, you cross it and go the correct way instead of the same dumb shit way you did the first way. Yeah. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, I'm I'm really hard on myself, though, too, in that sense, you know. I feel like I am, too. Good. And that's that's how you overcome. See, if you take credit in everything that you do and you're like, you try to look at only the positive, you can't do that. You have to look at the negative because that's how you get better. You mm-hmm. don't get better by praising yourself for doing the good. You get better by overcoming the negative and the failures. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. And that's what leads to more growth, etc. For yourself, and the momentum of that too, being Absolutely. able to overcome those failures, they don't they don't hurt as much. You're like that's how you gain confidence. Yeah, that's a great. That's point. how you gain. I mean, like you know, uh, my girlfriend asks me sometimes. She's like, you know, like like how do you like stay positive? And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. it starts by overcoming something that I failed at one time, right? It's learning from that and conquering it. So then you build confidence. So then it almost gets to the point to where if you're if you're fixing all the mistakes that you made before and not making those same mistakes again, you just keep building your confidence. And then it gets to the mm. point where you feel almost like I don't want to say like godlike or anything like that, but you feel like no, I have I, the I, confidence I, to do things. I know what I'm doing. You believe in yourself because mm. not because you're hyping yourself up with your own bullshit yeah. or believing hype. You you are confident because you have accomplished things, you know, yeah. you have, you have, you have conquered your failures that makes and so gotten much over your fears. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that's such a good point because even me, just like I, I come from somebody who's like, uh, didn't always have the most self-worth or self-confidence. You're saying times. you personally? Yeah. Me. Yeah. Like, and just doing comedy and putting myself out there and just being able to go up there and bomb and be like, Oh, you know what? I'm okay. Like, I, cause this is what I want to do. But you still do it. And I still do it. Right. And it's just like that type of stuff is like, it's weird how this may seem, sound cheesy or lame, but like just doing comedy more, I feel like I've, I understand myself better, how my mind works. Cause you do a lot of just sitting there and thinking about stupid shit sometimes. Ab- absolutely. So tell me about the feeling. Cause I know that you just like every other comic that, that does it more than once. Um, how does it feel to you when you have a joke that's bomb, 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 and then finally it just clicks and the crowd loves it, and then they love it every time you tell it. Like, how accomplished oh, do you man. feel? Because that's one of the best things to me. Yes. Because you're going into the Shark Tank against an audience who almost wants you to fail. You and know? They do. They, right. They kind of like... It. But then when you finally win, it's like, not only are you beating yourself, you're, you're raising your level up yourself. You, like, wow, you conquered the point. audience. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so Those are the moments where, like, for me, when it, that happens, like, I finally... I've been working on a joke and how to say it, and it finally comes out right, and yeah. he gets to laugh, and you're like, holy shit. Like, that, that's when you kind of know, you're like, okay, I can do this. You start to feel that that confidence inside you go, and when they laugh, you tell your other jokes. Like, it, the momentum of it, you start to gain, and it's so, it's, it's weird because I want to be able to find that quicker almost sometimes, or be able to... It's it's tough. It it's, is. It's, it, it's it so tough. Time. But I mean that those are the things right there that you should feel the best about. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, look at it like this: you failed the first time you told that joke, the second, third, twentieth, fiftieth, hundredth time you told that joke, but the hundred and fiftieth time you told it, when they finally laughed yeah. and they started laughing every other time after that, it's like you failed so many times, but you you came back to it to try to make it better, to try to make it better, and finally you overcame it. Yeah. Because that's the thing, like. You might have a goal that Mm -hmm. you fail at a hundred times, but when you accomplish it, as long as all those hundred times were different attempts, then you're making progress as a person because each time you're learning, sometimes Mm -hmm. you can conquer a failure in the second or third try. Yeah. Like a joke. Sometimes it takes 200 fucking tries, you know? That's a good point. I've been holding on to jokes for years that I should have let go. You know, I'm like. How is this I not hear working? The, I, I know the funny's there. It's like... Because <laughs> if it makes you... Like, one of the things that I heard is, like, you got to start with, like, trying to make yourself laugh first because that's probably the most, like, important thing up there, too, is, like, you have to believe that it's of, fucking funny, Of right? course. If you don't believe in your fucking jokes, then yeah. what are you doing, you know? And that's... I have some that I've been doing for too long, almost, I feel like, and I'm starting to not believe in them. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, maybe I just... is Like, that wasn't you know, as good as I thought it was, or maybe it's just not... Here's another thing, too, that's fucked up with comedy. Like, 
you know, when you first start, like, I feel like almost for years, you don't even get a good audience. And what I mean by that mm. is like 30 to 50 people that came there to watch comedy. Yeah. When you're doing open mics, you're doing to the, your audience that there might be 20 people in the bar, but Maybe. none of them knew there was a comedy show there. They're all there to drink yeah. and they're not paying attention to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember some of the first times where I got booked on a show where, like, I had a comedy audience, mm -hmm. you know, that yeah. came there to watch comedy. I've had that happen just a handful of times at this point. Of course, you know, and I'm not, that's not a, that's not a maybe, negative maybe or a bad two thing. two handfuls at most. But. Right, you know, that's what is so rare because, you know, you don't really know how good your jokes are until mm -hmm. you're telling it to an audience yeah. that wants to hear you fucking tell jokes. Yeah. So many times, you know, like at Winston's, nobody's there for the open mic. It's death. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. But, you know, even when you do, like, on the showcase there, mm -hmm. where there's, you know, 20, 30 people there to, mm -hmm. that are there to hear jokes. Yeah. They came there planning to listen to a comedy show. Yeah, 100%. Right? So they, they want to laugh, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you're They're entertaining. In the for it. Right. If you're entertaining, they will laugh. But if you're. You know, if, uh, you know, you're just going out there with your open mic material for a real comedy audience, mm -hmm. you should not do that, you know, like that. Yeah. And that's why it takes time to get booked on fucking shows, you know? Yeah. And I've been like, I've been grinding at it, I guess, for the better part, like a year and some change now. And uh, like, I'm just starting to get to the point where I feel like I would even be okay with somebody trying to maybe be like, you want to do like a spot here and there. But before that, I would never have been like. Not ready. Like, I just didn't feel like I was ready. You know it, what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's tough because, you know, you never really get adequate feedback on how good your jokes actually are. Yeah. And, you know, like like we were talking about a couple minutes ago, like, once once one joke hits, it's way easier. Then you're like, oh, shit, I'm funny. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. And then you're, you're, they can read that. Uh -huh. Your audiences can read that, you yeah. know? And I've been better. That's what I've been working a big thing on is just being comfortable on stage. Being able to be like... I got this. Right. You know, it's uh, one thing I did. I Actually, my buddy let me borrow a mic. And I didn't have a mic before, so I've been practicing holding the mic up closer to my mouth. Because like, when I did the roast on one night, I didn't. I was like holding the mic down here, and apparently people couldn't hear me very well, mm. which I didn't realize. Oh, yeah. Because I'm fucking scrub. I haven't been on many shows. Right, you know, right, So right. I was probably a little nervous. Of, of course you were nervous. Exactly. And you don't, you don't realize what you have to be listening for. You know, like, yeah. like you're, you're, you're so focused on one thing that, you know, you don't have just trying to energy to focus on it. The you're little right. joke or whatever it may of be. Course, yeah. Of course. So, but the first real, like I did, a what's it? San Diego's funniest person contest madhouse yeah. last Monday. Mm. And that was like the first time I'd been in front of like a big crowd and it was like, they were there to laugh and I, it went all right. You know, I didn't pass on to the next round, but. It was pretty good. I had it was a good experience for me, no doubt. And I feel like you know I got a couple laughs. I was like, all right, you know, at least they felt something happened. You of know course, what I mean? Of course. And it take you know like when I first started doing comedy for real, for real, for real, like five years ago, uh -huh. like I was doing seven to ten open mics a week, mm. without a doubt. Wow. Comedy like See, five to do, seven nights a week. I got to do so much more. And, and you know, and like you don't even fucking you can't even get a feel for how good you are or how good your jokes are until you're doing them that frequently, mm -hmm. you know, like, and it has to be consistent too. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? If, uh, but you also have to know what your, your goals and your priorities are. See, yeah. like my goal and priority is to not ever have to work a real job. Yeah. Just do this entertainment. That's what I want to get to. It's been working for me for the last like seven, eight years. And that's part of the you comedy know? and the wrestling, the duo like, yeah, and you know, just trying to figure out ways to make a living off of it, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas, you know, like some somebody else's goals in comedy might just be to get as funny as they can and hopefully get asked to open up at, at clubs. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, and yeah. That's the mo. That's the road most traveled, right? Yeah. But I took like what I learned from booking Afro Man to cold call venues and be like, "Hey, <laughs> you need somebody to show up this night." Yeah, you know, like like I, no, no I, but basically, I'm like. Hey, I have a comedy show I can bring you. Okay. You know, I'll find a bar or a venue or whatever the case is. Or oh. I hit up weed dispensaries, you know, up and down the coast. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. hey, I'll bring you a comedy show. You guys give me X amount of dollars. And, you know. Wow. You guys sell tickets. Do whatever you guys want to do. Yeah. You know, like, 
that took a while to do too, you know, and the, 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 that, that, there was a lot of dead ends there until I found the weed at entry, you know. So I, I bought this list of weed dispensaries and head shops uh-huh. and I mass emailed them all saying, you know, I've done these tours, whatever the fuck, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'll bring you a comedy show. You guys give me X amount of dollars and, you know, oh, it'll be your genius. customer appreciation day or your patient appreciation yeah, day because yeah. all these weed dispensaries have you know, a lot of money and they have to spend them because it's non-profit. <laughs> yeah, right? and they can't, like, you can't put that shit in the bank. Right. So they have all this cash. So <laughs> yeah. they're like, sure, fucking, you know, we'll give you $500, $1,000 yeah, sometimes. Yeah. You know, on 420 That's I sold a show for, for $2,500 one time. Nice. You know, which is, they make that in two minutes having <laughs> oh, a yeah. dispensary it's ridiculous, open. for yeah, sure. Yeah, so, right. Um, but, you know, it, again, you know, like, I'm not putting on comedy club shows I'm not booked in a lot of comedy clubs gotcha but I did 16 states in 2016 with this <laughs> with this cottonmouth comedy thing damn I fucking okay. you know I got I got booked and flown out to Upper Peninsula Michigan uh-huh. for a weekend of shows at this fucking hotel you know that's awesome you know like I, I've done some crazy things I'm not performing in comedy clubs a lot but yeah. you know who but it's cares? like it's but it's still like you're doing your own thing and you're still getting better at what you want to do when you're doing it. Absolutely. For sure. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, yeah. I'm like, And, you know, like, some of my shit might be hacky sometimes, you know? Like, some of my shit, you know, like, some comics, comics might look at it and go, oh, you're doing it the wrong way. And that's fine. You know, everybody's got their opinions, but that's just the way that I'm doing things. That's the way that, you Yeah, know, and if you're getting, like, I, I just find it interesting that you don't, so you don't have, like, a real job job, right? You no. just do these things. That's oh, beautiful. Yeah. That's what's yeah, amazing entertainment, about Entertainment, 100%. Yeah, I, I sell a lot of merch. I sell a lot of t-shirts when I wrestle. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. People like the Dirty Ron McDonald t-shirts. I think those are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like they're that, pretty funny. That, just that idea, the Dirty Ron McDonald, that shit that cracks me up for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think people would dig it either. Like, I've been wrestling for a long time, 18 years. On and off, you know. Like, I wrestled for like five years when I started, and then I uh-huh. took a couple years off, came back for a few years, take some more years off, and... Now I've been going at it again since, you know, like 2014 when I fucking moved out to um, Northern California. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, the Dirty Ron character is a little new. You know, like the shows that I put on are at Jolton Joe's here in La Mesa. Okay. Um, not here, here in La Mesa, but over there in La Mesa <laughs> in yeah. East County. Um, and they're at a, a, a pool hall, you know, so it's yeah. 21 and up to get in. So I was trying to come up with a character that was like adult oriented. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I just looked at myself, and I'm like, what could I play? You know, I, I kind of look like Ronald McDonald, you know? Yeah. Like, I could do, like, a dirty Ronald McDonald. I you like know? it, though. The dirty Ron. You know, like, somebody hits me in the ribs, and I'm like, oh, my McRibs. You know, <laughs> my McRibs. They so... kick me in the dick. I'm like, oh, my McNuggets. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. That shit's uh, funny. Yeah, you know, so, like, I, I didn't think it would be a character that would pick up at all. Like, I thought it was going to do it for a couple months, uh-huh. and then it would run its course, and I'd do something else, you know? Um, but fucking people dig it, man. Are you, are you kind of always like, I'm sure you do a lot of thinking about how to portray Dirty Ron, but are you ever working on other stuff in the background too? Like maybe someday I'm going to bust out this guy? What? No. Or how does that work? I'm just curious. No, that's the, that's the great creative outlet that I have by running a promotion. So the promotion that I run is called Fist Combat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I ran my first show of Fist Combat in January of 2007 in Fairview Heights, Illinois. Damn. Um. And um, I've been running it out here on the West Coast now, fucking strong for the last like four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we put out weekly episodes of Get Fisted TV, yeah. you know. And like I'm, <laughs> I'm, me and my girlfriend and like the guy that edits the videos with me, we're pretty much the creative behind it. So we come up with all the storylines, we come up with the characters, we come up with how to push characters, yeah. you know, like. What's going to happen that night? Yeah, my, my girlfriend and I, we love Law & Order, right? Yeah. We love Law & Order. So <laughs> we had two cops called Chip Law and Randy Order. That's Law & Order, yeah. you know? And they're like the biggest bad guys in our promotion. You know, like, we um, our promotion Fist Combat. Well, uh, we love Pulp Fiction. So we came up with the idea of a tag team called Pulp Fistin, where <laughs> we had... We had Jules and, you know, we had John yep. Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. We had a black guy and a white guy yep. that teamed up, you know, wore the fucking, you know, the get up. Yep, I oh, love dude. it. Came out with the fucking, you know, the the big kahuna burger and shit. Like, Hell yeah. Dog, it was, it was, they fought Marcellus Wallace one time, you know, <laughs> like, it, it's a whole lot of fun, man. Um, That's uh, the thing. People don't, like, I think a lot of things, like, maybe I might have even had a misconception of what wrestling is yeah. at the time because I didn't really grow up on it, didn't really watch it too much. And then 
it's good. This is gonna sound lame as hell, but I started watching that show Glow on Netflix, and I was like, oh shit! I love that show. <laughs> love it. Yeah, I think it's a great show. But yeah. it's like, oh, I was like, I started to learn more about wrestling. I was like, oh shit, this is incredible. And like now you think about it, like all the biggest movie stars come out of fucking wrestling too. Like John Cena's huge. The Rock's unstoppable. The Rock's the biggest actor in fucking Hollywood for the last how many years? Yeah, you and know? it's like. It's so interesting to think that there's like such a performance behind it too. Like, but it's also it's like it's still very real. Like I watched that video of you getting tossed down <laughs> those stairs. I was like, damn, you legit fucking got tossed down those stairs. Like, there's no playing that. I when um I've done some acting gigs and a couple like stunt gigs okay. and fucking whatever. But so like, you know how to like fall maybe or like to try. I, well, and... you, that's how you learn all that in pro wrestling school okay, for sure. Gotcha. But I I find you know um, when I go on uh, auditions. Mm-hmm. Is that you know? I think about it, and I'm like, these actors might come in. They're they're traditionally trained actors, went to acting school or whatever the fuck. But the skills that they have and the skills that I have, they're unparalleled, really. Like, actors have many takes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm doing it live, <laughs> live in a 360 degree audience. One take. I'm doing comedy, drama, stunt work, improv, in fucking That's, in my underwear. Yeah. And, you know, and the chances are, my opponent that I'm wrestling, uh-huh. I probably just met him for the first time an hour before we went out there and trusted each other with our lives. Damn. You know? That's pretty gnarly. So, like, you know, I find the skills that I've I've gained through pro wrestling um, help me on auditions more than I think, you know, uh, an actor at my level. Yeah. You know, like, of course, the top-level actors, I'm not even... And at the same... conversation. And at the same time, though, like, you also have this, like, you're performing live... And just, like, having the confidence to be around a people and just be like, I can do whatever I want. Like, with the comedy, with everything, like, it all just feeds each other. And yeah, and improv, too. You know, like, you're you're doing a lot of these skills, and, like, not since Shakespearean times have there been, you know, an audience with 360 degrees around a performance. You yeah. know, like, if you go to a concert, the audience is all right in front of you. Yep. You know, like, how often... Like, when's the last time you've ever been you to a have to show? Make everybody feel included. That's what I'm saying. You know, like, so it's not that I'm acting to a camera, like in many takes. Yeah. I'm acting to everybody, and I got to make them all feel like, you yeah. know, like they're they're in on the show. You know, like, so like, you know, and I'm not like sucking my dick or trying to put over wrestlers like super hard, but this, you know, like, I oh my point was, um, is that you know, like wrestling wasn't really respected, yeah, because we acted like it was real, you know? Yes. We didn't let everybody in on the secret, that's right? That's true. I think that might have been what it is. And, and, you know, and, and people are like, like, of course, that's like, anybody with intelligence yeah. can look at that, <laughs> some of those fights. And realize. You know, like, happening. maybe not necessarily from the, the, the 20s and 30s and 40s, you uh-huh. know, like when you didn't have a whole lot of cameras right up in yeah. your ass, you know, like people were far away, so you couldn't really tell if it was fucking legit it, or not. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, over the years, it's very obvious to anybody with intelligence that that shit has worked, right? Yeah, exactly. But we're all like, no, it's not worked. What are you talking about? And a bunch of country hicks, you know, they're like, yeah. look at those dumb shit southern wrestlers, you know. Oh, gibbity gabbity goobity. Oh, I'm going out there and <laughs> fucking beating them up. And no, it ain't fake, you know. And you yeah. all these people, no, wrestling's real to me. It's like, come on, dude. So nowadays, <laughs> now that everybody's in on the secret, yeah. you know, like, it, and everybody's, you know, like, nobody's. It's okay to be a Dungeons and Dragons nerd and a Magic the Gathering nerd and a fucking I'm a yeah. I'm a ska nerd and I'm oh, so not it's okay to be a wrestling nerd yeah and you know and like we wrestling fans don't have to hide the fact that they're wrestling fans because people look down on it we're proud to be wrestling fans I love that we 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 wear our shirts out and fucking wrestling's cooler than anything that you go to live you see a band yeah. oh yeah they're rocking on the guitars but they ain't fucking throwing each other around yeah. and you know like. Have you ever been to a live show, I man? Haven't. I you haven't have come. to come to you have to come to my show. I'll put you on the guest list. Absolutely. But the experience that you get, you know, especially the shows that I put on, because yes. we encourage everybody on the posters get drunk and heckle, I love which is it. the opposite of a comedy <laughs> show. They want you to yeah, get drunk. No, they want sure. you to shut the fuck up, though. Yeah. We want people to be involved in the fucking show. You feel like they're part of the show. Of course. They love that. That's something that you don't get by watching YouTube. That's something you Ooh. don't get by watching Netflix. That's something that you can't get by watching live sports on TV. Yeah. If you watch something live, you know, like everybody talks about all this free content out there. YouTube's free and all these free podcasts and shit. Okay, sure. But have you been to a concert where you get fucking goosebumps yeah. by hearing the speak, you know, the, the live music play? Yep. Well, that 100%. shit's amped up by 
10,000 fold when you go to a live pro wrestling match because not only are you seeing the sights and the sounds, like, or not only are you, you hearing the sounds and feeling the vibes, you're seeing this shit right in front of your fucking yeah. face. You're seeing a guy get slammed to the ground and if you had any reservations of, oh, I thought this was fake and choreographed, <laughs> sure, we know who's going to win, but my knee's banged up right now. Yeah. I fucking pop. I, 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 here you go. Oh, I have yeah. two, oh. this scar right yeah, here, yeah. That's, a, that's a scar that's been there it'll be there forever. I did that, right? Because oh, in wrestling, like they, they said, cut themselves, yep, right? Yep. But this one up here came from Thursday. Damn. I got that by, you see this one yep. right here? A guy smashed a fucking chair into my head. Oh. And that, that was by accident. So, you know, like, yeah, it's choreographed. Sometimes you, yeah, but sometimes <laughs> but, you're going to catch one for sure. And oh, it you're, still yeah, hurts. Absolutely. It's not, it's not, it's not completely unreal is what it is, too. Like, you know, it, it's, it's people also. People are getting slammed. You got tossed downstairs. Like, yeah. With, without a doubt. You know, and guys like you said, John Cena and The Rock yeah. being in Hollywood and WWE puts out fucking movies and, you know, like it, wrestling's a big business, you know? I just think it's big. so, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you, there's always a market for it too, like locally too. And you were like, I can fill this hole. And that's what's so interesting. Right. That what you, that's what you've done with like your fist combat. I find for that sure. pretty cool. For sure. I just like that you kind of have your own little, like, self-made little enterprise going, like, here and there, just trying to, like, I'm going to grab this gig, and just, like, it's just, uh, you know. It's, it's all, I feel like sometimes, like, I, I don't have time to rest, and uh. some people, like, that I wrestle with, I think I was telling you this a little bit before we started recording, that they're like, like, why don't you ever call me to hang out? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, honestly, I don't ever hang out. <laughs> like, You're... if I have a free night that I'm not booked on a show that I'm getting paid for, I'm doing open mics. Or like today, you know, like I'm on Tommy Lucero's show at the main tap tonight, yep. but I'm doing your podcast today. Yeah. I'm doing Adam Connie's podcast right after this. Yep. Like I'm filling my time. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, you're like, busy. I'm, yeah. And if there's ever a time that I'm open, if I have a yeah. few hours open, like I've figured out as I've been an entertainer as long as I have, why so many musicians died from heroin because they had so much time to kill in yeah. between gigs. Yeah. So to me, like. I've had my issues with, with substances and fucking, you know, drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And if I have fucking free time that I'm doing nothing, why not get fucked up, you know? Yeah. And I don't know when to stop all the time. That's so, the problem. You know, like, so filling my time with doing shit and staying active and what can I do next? That makes sense, though. Yeah. Keeping busy is so important. I feel like sometimes, like, my problem is definitely smoking too much weed. It's nothing, yeah. you know. It's I like wish anything. that was my problem. I know. I mean, I, I've had some other problems too as well, but like that's the main one for me. It's always just been smoking, smoking too much weed, and it's like you know you can't. I can't roll out of bed and just be like you know what I'm gonna just do a little wake and bake. You know, like it, it just sets the tone for my day, and it it can be bad sometimes. No, I, I hear you. I'm the I'm the total opposite. Like I have to have weed in the morning. Do you? If but my, see, you're still productive on it though. You're always getting oh, shit done. Straight up. Straight like, up. So, see, sometimes me, I'll be like, if I get. The problem is I'll have the YouTube or something stupid up and I'll start going down the rabbit hole instead of doing something produ productive like writing for the podcast or trying to come up with new ideas or whatever it may be, you know, trying to work on my comedy. Because that's one thing like I've learned from me. I do better when I practice it a couple of times. Oh, before, for sure. You know, and I was like, a lot of times like I'll just read it over my head a couple of times. And it's better if I actually am like looking at myself in the mirror yeah. and being like trying to see how I come off and maybe make a stupid face or whatever it may be, you know. You know what you should do sometimes is just fucking go up there and wing it, you know? I have done that a few times. Because, like, you know, like... Because um, that's a muscle, too, almost, right? It, it, is, it is, and, like, that's another thing that, like, I got over my fear with that, you know? Because, like, when I first started wrestling, mm -hmm. I was basically the first two years I was wrestling, I was only wrestling guys that I trained with. And we trained every Tuesday, Thursday, sometimes Sundays. Yeah. We'd have shows on Fridays and Saturdays. So I was with these guys almost more. I was with them more than anybody else. Yeah. You know, like and rehearsing was, and stuff like. And so, right. So, you know, then we'd practice the, our fucking moves all the time. And so we know we would never have to call anything because we knew the routine because we did it with each other a million yeah. times. But then you get to the point to where you're traveling four or five hours for a show. Sometimes uh -huh. you meet a guy for the first time. You're 30 minutes later. You're having a 10 minute match, you know? Yeah. So, you know, like, I, I was really relying on, like, oh, I got to, we got to call everything before we get out there. Uh -huh. You know, like, I got to know exactly what we're doing. Okay, you know, I'll go from this, you do that, we do this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Did you have to do that every time to set up like that? 
I mean, I would want to for my own confidence, Yeah, that right? makes sense. Because you're, you're trying to put on a great performance for these of people because they're paying for a show. But then, you know, like, sometimes, you know, like, you might wrestle a guy a few times. So then you don't really have to do that because oh. you're just like, oh, we'll just do what we did six yeah, months ago. okay. Right? That makes sense. But then I got to a point to where I was like, you know what? Even though I've never wrestled this guy, I know this guy. So I'm, I'm comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. Let's just go out there and call in the ring. Let's oh. just fucking wing it. So that's a completely improvised thing. Totally, that's totally. Where we just go out there. I mean, there's not a whole lot of ways you can go. You know, yeah. like, like you know, it's like you, you start by tying up or, you know, yeah. you start by one guy getting the other guy from behind. Oh, there's not a million ways to get to start a match, you yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, going out there and improvising, you know, and with comedy, too. Like, recently, if I'm only doing, like, an eight-minute set, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not writing a set list down, mm-hmm. you know, like, but... You know, if I'm doing a 30-minute set, I'm writing a set list down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm definitely writing a set list down for eight minutes. I'm like... Oh, for sure. You know? For sure. But, it, you know, it's built, and you get that confidence in yourself. Uh-huh. Like, I had a fear of, I have to know exactly what's going on. I have to write my set list and then put it uh-huh. down on the stage so I don't forget it. You know, like, I'm so anal about that shit. Oh, I shit. didn't look at mine. Like, when I did the Madhouse oh, six, yeah. I, I made sure to not look. I had it memorized or whatever, but I definitely had wrote one down and then, like, put it away... Um, and I, that was the first time I really had done like seven minutes. And I did the whole oh, seven word. minutes and everything. And it was yeah, like, yeah. you know, it, I might have rushed through a little bit. I had to like, I was, sure. like I was like, oh shit, I'm just going to talk about this because I ran through my shit a little. Like the light came on right as I was running through. I was like, oh, I got a minute to kill. But I did it. You know, I still went right. through and, and, and killed that minute. But I didn't end on that that punch because I had a minute still. And I was like, there were so wait. many times I, I like, you know, write a set list down and I'll put my phone on the stool. Yeah. And I put the set list right next to my phone. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you just like try to casually like just glance at it, you know, like, yeah. oh, you know, like, oh, I'm not looking at my set list. Yeah, you know? I feel you. But it, like nobody really cares that much if you're looking at it. I feel like, do they? Other know. comics might give you shit, but mm. you know, fuck them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, especially open mics, like who gives a fuck? Nobody's right. like, I'm just trying like, because a lot of times at open mics, like, I don't know, I've gone back and forth on this because it doesn't really even matter. I'm still so new, I feel like. But... Like, I don't know whether I should be trying to just really get some shit down. Like, I want to just do this. This is the five minutes I do and just over and over and over. Or if I want to be, like, able just to go up there and just, here's what I want to talk about today. This is what we're going to try and be more open with it. I go back and forth. I can really decide. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's tough because, like, <clears throat> my thing was once I started getting laughs, I was like, I only want to get laughs, yeah. right? Like, I, I, I don't want to bomb anymore. Right, yeah. so then I would find a couple mm-hmm. of my jokes that worked, mm-hmm. right, and I was like, okay, these jokes work. Okay, I'm doing these jokes every time, you know, okay. like, and, you know, <clears throat> chances are, you know, you're not gonna, people aren't gonna see you multiple times, you know, it's not like <laughs> it's not like you're telling the, you know, the Except same the jokes. Bar- the same, bartenders. Fuck, fuck them. I know, I'm joking, know? <laughs> I'm right? Um, but yeah, you know, like so. It, it all depends what you want to do. You know, if it's your creative process is I've got to, you know, I want to be, I want to f- like write as many things that are funny as possible. Uh-huh. Well, you know, like w- the way I did is when I started, I, I found a couple of my few jokes and then uh-huh. that was my set. Even if it was at an open mic, I was like, that's my set because now I'm trying to get a good five minute set so I can be asked to do a show gotcha. or host a show. Gotcha. You know, that's an interesting point. And then you build that five minutes to ten minutes. At least you can do five minutes. Right. Otherwise, if other comics and com- comedy producers look at you and they just see you trying out new shit, trying out new shit all the time, and you, you new shit's gonna bomb. I mean, you know, yeah. like that's no secret. Yeah. It's not you. It's not me. No. It's everybody. You yeah. know, like new shit's gonna bomb. So you know, fucking. That's a good point. So I guess it's. And you build your confidence too, and you yeah. find out the little ways to make those funny jokes even funnier. Yeah, you know? that's true. They evolve into something different every time, for sure. Of course. A little bit, yeah. Of course. Like, do you do you do a lot of writing now, or? Eh? I know I've never written really. Really, I mean, like I find that so fascinating because, like, I write a lot, or like not a lot, but like more so. than... What do you mean by write? Because like I'll jot notes down in my phone, like, but like, it's never like the whole joke written. It's not word for word. Oh, like. I don't know, like... Oh, this wow, is, yeah. Yeah, like writing, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it, that's... Like, it's in details, you know? Like, that's just what works for me. For sure. But, and I don't... The thing I've learned, though, is I can't... 
talk like I write. I don't talk like I write. Does that make sense? So like when I'm on stage and I try to do it like I wrote wrote it down, I was like, sure. oh, that's not how I would say that. So I have to figure out how to say it is what's kind of hard sometimes. See, okay, see, like when when I see that, um, I look at that and I like because here's the difference. I I think there's a huge difference between comedy writers uh-huh. and stand up comedians. Okay, uh-huh. because most people. Um, okay, like to be a stand-up comedian, you you have to have a few things. You have to have decent jokes. You have to have really good stage presence. Yeah. And you have to be able to connect with an audience, yeah. right? To be a good comedy writer, all you got to do is be funny. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's like a, there's a huge, like to be a stand-up comedian, you don't have, now, now I, like no, yeah, comics, ahead. comics are going to shit on that, what I'm about to say. But to be a stand-up comic, I think, that it's more important to have stage presence than it is to have the funniest jokes possible. Now, you have to have funny jokes, right? Yeah. But fucking, you know, like if you, you can't gotta, tell those jokes and, and connect with an audience. And pull them in. And pull them in. See, it's there's a difference between fucking being a good stage performer and being a, you know, like in yeah. theory. Yeah. You know, like when sense. I got I got my real estate license when I was 20. Uh-huh. All they taught you in real estate school <laughs> was the legalities of selling houses. Yeah. They didn't tell you how to sell houses <laughs> or how to get fucking clients. They just told you the paperwork, yep. basically. You know, so I, you get done with that and you're like, all right, I'm a real estate license. Let's sell some houses. And n- nobody wants to talk to a 20 year old kid. No. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, I still live in my parents' house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 like, <laughs> you're trying to sell people a house. I'm trying to yeah. sell people a house. You know, like, so you're not learning, like, you're not learning how to sell houses. Mm-hmm. And to equate that to comedy, selling, actually selling houses is like doing stand-up. That's an, that's an acquired skill. Yeah. That's a skill that, that I feel like either you have it or you don't. You know? Interesting. It's not something you can teach. Yeah. It's, it's something you can get better at, but either you have it or you don't. You know? Yeah. Whereas, you know, like, like writing jokes, now that, that's a skill that somebody might be able to get better at. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You no, know, it like, makes sense to me a little bit, like, because you just see certain people and you go like, oh, they kind of have, like, they, they pop a little bit more than others or whatever it may be. You can just, like, tell, like, oh, this person knows how to handle a stage or, like, connect with the audience. And right. that's what I need to make sure I'm doing is, like, I don't always do a good job of, like, hey, join me on this or whatever it may be. For sure. And that's a, a good thing to, like, you know, Some people about. are good com- comedy hosts. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they know how to start the fucking show. Mm-hmm. They know how to keep the crowd hype. You know, and they care about keep doing that. Going. Keep the energy yeah. going. N- know when to do a quick joke and when not to do a yeah. quick joke. You know, so like it, some comedians are not like some of the best comedians are not good hosts, you know, yeah. but some comedians aren't good features or headliners, but they're great hosts. You know, That's it, it all just, you know, you, all, you just figure out what you're good at. You yeah, know? that's true. And it just takes time is what you're getting at earlier. Too, like, like Neil Brennan, great writer, you know. He's a, he's a pretty good stand up. Com- I mean, he's yeah. a, he's a great he's a great stand up comic. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but like he wrote for Chappelle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. like Chappelle was the better stand up of those two. Yes. You know, like and then you you like you why is Neil Brennan a part of that crew? Like like he was probably part of that crew because he had great writing. Yes. You know, if 100%. he could perform like Chappelle would, he would have been Chappelle. But he wasn't. He was he was a good writer. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, like Chappelle was the That's the face of what I they did. I never really thought of it like that, really, because I do a lot of writing and maybe. Maybe I should look into that route a little bit more. I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's like, a different skill. Yeah. Performing is a different skill than writing. And I, I still want to be able to do both. Like I want to, but I shouldn't rule myself out. Like I never even really thought of looking into like comedic writing, but I do a lot of writing. So maybe it's something I should look into. I'm just talking for my own like little selfish need right now. But. No, dude, that's what we're having a conversation yeah. here. Yeah. This isn't all. This is not all about me. No, this I is know. About us. Lo- Growing and learning as people. That's I think true. that's what you told me at Winston's yeah, fucking about, a week ago. You were like, much. you know, like, it's I just want to talk and have a conversation and learn some things, you know? Yeah, fucking, absolutely. That's what we're both here to and do. I feel like that's what we've done. I feel like I've learned a lot in this little chat we've had so far. But, like, yeah, I gotta, yeah, maybe I should just look into that. I don't even know how to look into it, but I'll figure out something. You know, maybe. fucking write, write some fucking short stories and mm-hmm. show them to your friends, you know? Like, yeah. like this dude that when I, in grade school, in eighth grade, he, we were all in choir together. I was a choir kid, choir nerd. Uh, <laughs> choir but the, yeah, right. Because um, I, I was like, this is where all the hot girls are at. 
they're all, Smart man. Uh, all the cheerleaders <laughs> are in choir. So when we go on choir trips and they're football player boyfriends, the they're not the coming band. with us. Oh, there you yeah, go. I'm an idiot. No, no, no. <laughs> the freakier chicks are in yeah, band. for sure. The, the freakier <laughs> chicks are in band for sure. Um, but this kid, this kid, when we were in grade school, like he'd write comedic stories about all of us in like a fantasy world. Yeah. Like some, uh, like, what do they call that shit? Like, um, I'm not sure. people write for like, like fucking like fan, fan fiction or something. Fan or? fiction. Yeah. 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 So you're basically writing fan fiction of, of us, right? You know, all, all of us that were in class together. Life, basically. What's that? Parodies of like what's going on in your life. Basically. Yeah. Kind yeah, of, you know, and, and boy, were we all so enthralled and like so excited to see like, what are you going to write next? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Because he had good comedic writing. Now, like he was the, one of the most awkward dudes you would ever meet in life. Yeah. You know, like, you know, that's just that's how, who he was, mm-hmm. but you know, like his writing was fucking phenomenal. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, there's a there's there's a million different ways to mm-hmm. figure shit out. You know, for sure. I would have never, I never was gonna pursue comedy until I did wrestling, and I was like, well, what else can I do? Yeah. To like help me with wrestling, I was like, well, comedy. I love that you it's one on one with the audience. You know, it's beautiful. It's all about stage presence and commanding a, the attention of them and for being sure. able to they, the yeah they feed each other so much. That's why I'm like, that's one of the main reasons I started the podcast is because I was like, oh, I want to be able to be more articulate. I want to be able to talk better and just be yeah. able to like speak when I'm on stage properly. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's what this has helped me do a lot for And sure. think on your toes. Yeah, because a lot of times like for the first like 20 some, maybe 30 episodes, it was just me. Like just talking by myself, you know, and like you have to fill a lot of time Dude. and you don't realize like you're like, okay. To have to bounce back with somebody, you know, the uh, weekly episodes of Get Fisted TV. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm doing the commentary by myself, and uh, the guy that edits with me just started doing a little commentary with me, uh-huh. and it's so much easier. Like it goes yeah. by so quicker, and I can think of more jokes because I'm not always talking. Yep, I'm waiting for my spots to talk, and then I can fucking shoot them with the fire. Yeah, I feel you. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's nice. I feel like I've had to do half the amount of work today because, like, we've already been talking for 48, 49 minutes here. Fucking perfect. Which is, like, perfect because I know you got to get out of here, too, to go. Yeah, yeah, do that other, yeah. other podcast or whatever. But, uh, man, know. I appreciate you coming by. Dude, My fucking team. thank you. Thank you for having me on this thing. You know, like, talking things out like this and being able to share knowledge is, you know, what um, I, I enjoy the most, really, because, like, you know, I feel like. I try to look at things from a different perspective and I don't try to get a whole lot of input from other people that have done things like, Mm -hmm. like I don't read a lot of books, you know, I don't read a lot of theory on things. I just try to think of things like, how would I think about it? How, how can I conquer this? And like we started this thing and it's coming for full circle. I failed at a lot of things because I took a shot. Yeah. So many people are scared to take a shot and it, it's scary because you have to put, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. You have to put your money where your mouth is. And sometimes, you know, especially where most of us are in this world, we don't have a lot of money and or time, you know, mm-hmm. but it was when I was 27 years old that I got both these forearm tattoos, motivation, motivation and dedication. But the reason I got them is because I wanted to solidify in my head. I'm going full force into this entertainment thing. Cause when I first started getting jobs when I was 16, if you had forearm tattoos, you weren't getting a real job, you know? Yep. Now it's a little different, you know? Yeah. But to me, these forearm tattoos meant I was going balls to the wall <laughs> I and that. I couldn't look back because now I'm all the way in. Yeah. And now that I'm all the way in, I, I build confidence with it every day. It's scary every day. Yeah. There's a lot of fear. But conquering that fear and overcoming failure is who's made me who I am today. That's, that's you know? beautiful. I love that. And like... I started 27 is when I started pretty much doing this thing where it's like, all right, I'm doing it. Like, I'm, that's where I was. I'm at Starbucks now instead of like a corporate job because like that's going to be easier for me to try and do this comedy thing and like not worry about like, oh, maybe if I do lose my job or whatever may happen, like it doesn't matter. I can get the next one like quicker, whatever. Like You build that confidence in yourself. And once you're a confident person with substance behind your confidence and not yeah. just ego and bullshit. I, I feel like I'm getting better about that for Ab- real. Absolutely. And you, you can only gain building blocks every day, mm-hmm. you know? And you know, as long as you're be- as long as you only compare yourself to yourself and you know, you're better than yep. you were the day before, that's all. Cuz if you spend your time looking at other people, you don't know their struggle. You don't know what it took them to get there. Exactly. You don't know the story behind it. The only story you know is your own story. 
So fucking, if somebody's got something negative to say about me, they probably don't respect what I've done because they haven't fucking done anything even close to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the peop- the most successful people that I know, they don't have time to talk shit about people or focus on other people. Nailed it. They, their eyes are on their lane. That's a great point. Well, I think that's a great point to end it, man. I think that was a fun one, man. Thank you for coming by, Mikey. Swish. <laughs> Thanks, Miles. Appreciate yeah. it, brother. Peace. episode of the millennial Manchild podcast is in the books bada bing bada boom there it is man 50 episodes that is fucking crazy and exciting stuff uh i want to say thank you to mikey for coming on today or you know coming by stopping by the old man child lair chopping it up it was a good time i seriously love having these conversations it's nice just to sit down with somebody and get able to dig into some of the details and just talk about some of the finer aspects of it and just be able to figure out things on my own, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth and having a conversation. It is a lot of fun for me. So thank you all for, you know, still listening and supporting the podcast in any way you can, whether it's just sending some positive thoughts my way, sharing it with a friend, uh, you know, giving me a like on fucking Twitter, whatever the fucking stupid thing it is, whatever you do. I do appreciate it, and thank you for listening. It is much appreciated. You're the best. Yeah, but that's really, you know, we'll, we'll keep it short. Uh, I did want to say how I started watching The Haunting on Hill House, or Haunting of Hill House, maybe, on Netflix. You know, it's October. Ooh, spooky time. So it was fun, like, to find nice a nice spooky series. And I have to say they did a, a great job on this series. I really like it. If you like scary stuff, check it out. It's on Netflix. Brand new. Just came out. Uh, I think they did a good job. And, you know, it does have some jump scares here and there. I get tired of people who are like, oh, I don't like that jump scare shit. It's like, why? Because it scares you? Like, it actually works? Like, fuck you. It's a valid scare. All scary. Like, in the way they do it, they do it in different ways, and it's creepy sometimes. And, you know, there's there's a valid thing with a jump scare. It's not just like, oh, you just popped out around the corner. It's like, no, they set it up nice. And I feel like this show has some real good kind of sinister, some good scares, some good like mental fucking, you know, hangups where you're like, oh shit, man, that kind of, how am I going to sleep tonight a little bit? I like that stuff. I like going to bed feeling uneasy, feeling like, you know, I don't know why, because my brain is horrible. I'd rather think about that stuff, I guess, than my own problems is probably why. So yeah, that's not healthy. But anyways, enough about this therapy session. Uh, check out that uh, Haunting on Hill House on Netflix. Great stuff. Uh, been digging that show. Yeah, so that's all I have for you today, folks. Uh, the music for today's episode is uh, Because I Got High by Afro Man. Um, what was the other song? Oh, Ric Flair Drip by 21 Savage and Metro Boomin. And then the last one, one second elastic by joey perp so thanks for listening thanks for supporting also as you know podcasts available everywhere itunes google play soundcloud yada yada you're the best and until next week folks millennial man child signing off peace
You don't gotta think like that. How you mean so things? He ain't got it like that, yeah. You can ride the wave if you wanna. Spend a couple days, you can stay if you wanna. I don't spend a night night with it. This a first class flight. Don't fight with a nigga, yeah. She a freak, she a dancer. She gon' pop it on camera. Throw it back if you nasty. Dust it like it's elastic. Go ahead, break it down real low. Go ahead, break it down real low. Go ahead, break it down real low. Stop playing with it, red light, green light, go. You remind me of suicide dogs. Pretty face with a body like whoa. Hit it with the lava lamp on. Catch a cab, pack a bag with your overnight clothes, yeah. You can look good for a living. Come chill for a while. What's good for a minute, yeah. I'm just trying to get a taste for I get it like this, like that, and like this, like that, yeah. Pretty Coke bottle frame hose. Patty cake, patty cake, anything goes. Red light, green light, go. Stop playing with it. Go and break it down real low, uh. She a freak, she a dancer. She gon' pop it on camera. Throw it back if you nasty. Dust it like it's elastic. Go ahead, break it down.